You can kick your fancy ales, you can drink them by the flagon, but the only food for the brave and true comes from the green dragon. Welcome to the Green Dragon Podcast, Listen to List episode number two, The Evil List. I'm Jeremy here by myself again. That seems like it's happening a lot lately. I apologize for that. We'll try and rectify that as soon as possible. But this episode, I'm completing the list episodes by putting out 10 evil lists that we've been requested. I apologize for it being so long, but hopefully you will enjoy it nonetheless. Now, in between making this episode, I had just a slight issue, I guess, We've had the UK Grand Tournament's extra lists released. Now, these aren't official for us who aren't playing in that tournament, but I'm pretty sure that people start adopting them because they look pretty good. So some of the lists, mainly the Variags of Khan list, would look a little bit different if I used those rules for it. So it may be a bit dated. It may not be. I'm not sure if people are using them. So I'll revisit that at some point in the future, but I think the list is still a decent list. Now, on the menu today... Once again, I'm going in order of uh, the era, and hopefully I'll put some nice music between the episodes like I did last time. I've got Aiden's 800 Agmar list. I've got a 750 Khan list for Gunnar. I've got a 300-point Goblin Town list for Byron, followed by 700 points of Azog Legion for Terry. Then we have Leon uh, asking for a 550 Moria and Agmar list. Jono, a 500 Isengard. Jamie, 600 points of Mordor. Mordor's always fun to do. Andrew, 550 points of Morgul Knights. So Mordor, but more specific. Scott, 600 points of Harrod. And Jeremy, 700 points of Felbeast list. Now, I notice a lot of the lists are between the 500 to 800 points, which is pretty standard. There is Byron's 300 Goblin Town, but that's got some advice for how to expand it. I hope you enjoy these lists. Angmar, 800 points. Aiden, who I had the pleasure to play in Sydney just recently, has asked me to put together an 800-point Angmar list themed around the Witch King, at the height of his powers. So we're talking about just prior to the Battle of Fornost, I would guess, where the the Witch King got driven out of Angmar. Angmar at this time had orcs. We know there was Barrowites around because we know the Barrowites came from Angmar. We know that there was Wargs. We know that there was uh, Hill Trolls and Numenorians. Lots of Numenorians and also Wildmen. I think it was Wildmen of Aruda. So... We've got uh, a few few options here to go for Angmar at the height. Immediately when Aiden said Angmar, my, my mind went to Shade, Spectres, Barrowites, and Orcs, basically. That's your standard Angmar list, which is very powerful. It does its job, but it's very one-dimensional. It basically goes into this big ball, uh, moves people around with the Shades, pa- paralyzes the heroes of the Barrowites. Sorry, not the Shades, the Spectres. And then the Orcs go in for the kill, and, and are, are suddenly very good models because of the Shade nearby. But I've gone for something different. At the height of the power, I wanted I wanted Angmar as like a martial power, like a really strong Angmar, not a withered remains of just ghosts and things. So I've started off with the Witch King of Angmar in the first warband with the Morgul, Crown of Morgul. So Crown of Morgul gives him extra attacks. So that's a 
basically a good option for a non-fell beast witch king up from one attack to three attacks. So it means he can fight on foot. It means he can fight on horse really well. He's actually got more attacks on horse than he does on fell beast. So I've gone for the crown of Morgul and an armored horse. So the armored horse trying to stay alive as much as I can. I figure might as well put the extra points into that. So on the charge, he's got four attacks. Pretty good. He's got a Morgul Blade, hasn't used it up, hasn't stabbed Frodo with it. Morgul Blade's really good because you get the option to use it after you wound, and it really scares multi-wound models. So you come up against, I don't know, something like a new Gundabad troll or an Ent or whatever, an, an Eagle who has multiple wounds, the Morgul Blade can take care of it nicely. Even Heroes, very good. A Flail is a two-handed weapon. The Flail is good for the, the mounted Ringwraith on horse because the two-handed weapon means that if you really need to kill something, you really need to damage it, you can go into the Flail... Two-handed, don't use it as a flail, as the special strikes, just as a two-handed weapon and get some extra wounding power. You could also combine that with a Morgul Blade, believe it or not. So you can go in with the extra damage, which once again is great on the, the high defense models. So this Witch King, I have to, to check out the stats for it, because as you know with the Witch King, you get to choose how much you want in terms of stats. You get to move it around quite a bit. So we've got the Witch King at the height of its powers. So therefore, I've gone for a pretty powerful Witch King. So we've got the Crown of Morgul, the Armoured Horse, the Morgul Flail, uh, Morgul Flail, yep. And the extra Might Will Fate that I paid for is 3 Might, 10 Will, and 2 Fate. I could easily swap a Will for the extra Fate. I, I'm a bit aggressive with the Ring Raves. I prefer to have extra Will than Fate because I think you can do more in the game. And if they're taking wounds, you're probably doing something not quite right. But you could easily aid and swap that extra Will for a Fate around without too much trouble, or you could drop a single model and put in the extra fate as well. I figure you might as well go big on the Witch King here. You've got 800 points to spend. It's him at the height of his powers. This, this army's about him. In his warband is six Orc Trackers. So just six Orc Trackers. The idea is that on his horse, he's probably going to abandon this warband. So the six Orc Trackers can just be annoying. They can be a bit of bait. They can shoot a little bit. They, they can do their job that way. There's not too many of them, and you don't really care if they die. If you do have to get the Witch King to come on on his own, you can just use these as essentially ablative wounds. Put them put them in a way that he can't be charged and let him just run off and they can die. So it's a small warband designed to be small. The trackers can just go and hide if they feel like it, and the Witch King can do his thing. Now, I've straight away for the next warband gone for the allies section because I wanted to make sure that the Witch King had had some power behind him, had some models to go with him to, to fly, well, not to fly, to, to charge in and do some jobs. Now, this is the Black Numenorian contingent. I've gone straight to the model list to get the allies in because they are not native to Angmar. I've taken a Black Numenorian Marshal with armoured horse, shield, and lance. So this is the combat Black Numenorian Marshal. And then the contents of one Morgul Knight box set, which I've, I've used a couple times this, this list, I think. Um, it's a good box set. You've got four Morgul Knights, and you've got a Morgul Knight with the banner as well. So the idea is that the banner and these Morgul Knights travel around with the Witch King. They're small enough that you should be able to keep them with them, and they can go do the heavy hitting if they need to. With a, a Marshal for the Might for Heroics and Moves, for the Witch King for Combats, for Spells, and the Knights to back them up, you've got a Warband. And you've also got all these models cause Terror. So the Witch King with these Harbinger of Evil and these models causing terror synergizes really well together. So this is your almost scary uh, ghost uh, knights for, for, for Angmar. They're, they're the Black Numenorians. They're part of the theme, and I think they'll work really well, and they'll give you something different. It's not your typical Angmar list because they're not native to Angmar. Our third warband is an Orc Captain with Shield. This guy's job is to sit there with the infantry. I've spent a lot of points on attacking units, so I'm not going to end up with a huge amount of, of infantry. 
and I've gone for basic orc warriors as my infantry. So this guy basically holds them together. He calls the march if he has to. He calls the heroic move if they have to get to a specific spot. He goes and strikes up against the hero if you want to mob them out. So he's he's just a generic orc captain with shield, infantry, easy to hide. Not so hard to, to pick out, but he's he'll do his job. He leads a warband with six orc warriors with shield. No. He leads a warband with four orc warriors with shield, six orc warriors with spear, and one orc warrior with two-handed weapon. I haven't put a lot of two-handed weapons in, but I do feel that in this list I'll get some use out of them. They're not the optimal option, but with a two-handed axe, if you really need something dead and it can't fight back, it's a good option to go go at it with the two-handed axe. The fourth warband has a Barrowite leading it. So this is essentially the token Agmar model. I think the Barrowite's a fantastic character. It's quite affordable. If the Witch King's there to sap will, the Barrowite can have a free run at Paralyze, which I think is one of the most, or if not the most, strongest spells in the game. A model automatically loses combat if they're paralyzed, so you can't do anything about it, which your two-handed orc, orc with two-handed weapon orc really loves. So the Barrowite gets his five will. You want to optimize that with the Ringwraith sapping will. He's also got a good courage, and he doesn't disappear when he runs out of will like some of the other ghosts do. So he's actually really good for leadership in the end game. He leads four orc warriors of shield. Five Orc Warriors with Spear, one Orc Warrior with Two-Handed Weapon, again, just the little guy to finish off models, and a Cave Troll, which is actually going to be a Hill Troll in this army. So a Cave Troll really makes this little infantry contingent, the Orc Captain, the Barrow White, the Cave Troll, and 20 or so Orcs, it gives them some staying power. It makes the enemy think twice about attacking them. But do you really want to take on this small band of Orcs that has a Cave Troll? I don't know. I don't know. You have to suddenly think about what you go out with it. What the Cave Troll does is potentially keep your Orcs alive by doing things like getting on the flanks and hurling a model down the lines and just knocking people over. They might die, they might not, but it buys you time. So it adds an extra threat to it. It also makes it look like an Agmar list. Having Orcs and Cave Trolls in the same warband is definitely an Agmar thing. So we've gone for, for that for my next warband. Then I've gone for the Allies again, straight back to the Allies. This time I've taken what I think you'll find is one of my favorite bit of Allies to add in. It's the Dark Denizens of Mirkwood box set of Falwag, six Falwags. I've talked about this many times on the podcast. I've probably talked about it many times this episode. Falsite is fantastic. Being out of charge where you can't be seen. You can hide them behind walls. You can protect them. You can go objective grabbing with them. You can follow around the Witch King with them if you need the extra numbers in that warband. You can go and help your infantry out if you need to get some traps. You can do a lot of things with these Falwags. And for 54 points for the six of them, You've got a really affordable warband that can do its job, and it helps you with the numbers quite well. So I've ended up with 43 models at 800 points, which, according to my one model per 20-point calculator, if you're over that, you've got enough models. If you're under that, you've got an elite force. It's it's just edging to about the, the moderate amount of models. It's not a horde army. It's not an elite army, um, mainly because I've taken the orcs as the generic warriors. I think it's a good number of warriors. I think you've got a lot of options in this army, Aiden. I think it's going to be well worth playing in it, and it's one that I think I want to play as well. I know I say that for every single list, but that's just the kind of person I am. I write lists that I want to play myself, and I'm not going to write a list that I don't think I can win with. So this is one I definitely think I can win with. I've uh, included the Morgul Knights a couple times now, so I think I'm telling myself something. Maybe I need to get my Morgul Knights out. I haven't used them for a long time. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time they come out. The Witch King on Horse is one that I haven't used a lot as well. He always ends up either on Fell Beast or as a, just a generic Cheap Ring Wraith, so he could be fun to use. It looks like a fun army. You've got some serious options here and there. In terms of might, you've got a moderate amount. The Numenor Marshal has two, Witch King three, or Captain two. The, the Suffering is the other warbands, the Barrow White and the Falwags don't have any might. So you've probably got 
a low level of might. You have to be reasonably conservative with that. But the spells help make up for that a bit. The fact that you've got a monster in the list helps with that a bit. The fact that you've got some really powerful knights that cause terror helps with that. So you've got you've got enough to do the job of all of it. And I think you I think you'll enjoy this list. I know that I will. Khan, seven hundred and fifty points. This list is going to be a challenge. Gunners asked me to make a Khan list that has 750 points, pure Khan, so I've even taken that to mean no ring wraiths, and competitive. Pure Khan and competitive at the same time. Usually you get one or the other. You get pure Khan and not competitive, or you get competitive by taking stuff with your Khan. So it's going to be tough to do. The biggest problem with Khan at the moment is that you've got the fight value that you want. Fight 4 is good. You've got access to banner rerolls of your Khanish kings, which is good. You've got cavalry, which are good, but the problem is your infantry, your basic infantry is two-handed axe guys, which is probably not the best combination of weapons. It's actually the worst. It's not the good weapon option. No spears, two-handed weapons, and you've got foot bowmen, but you can't really use them that much because you've got Carnage horsemen, which have a bow that they can't give up, and you don't get any extra bow rules. Even the Easterlings get the extra bows. They can have more bows. So it's a tough army to use. The other thing is you've got your, your, your... power weapon of choice is your Carnage Chariots, which is only really a good choice on heroes, because on a foot model, it's very easy to take out. One shot to the guy riding it, and it's dead, and it only gives you a bonus against cavalry. So, you've got a, a, an interesting list, but I'm not going to shy away from this challenge, Gunner. I'm going to make sure I've got a good list that's playable at 750 points. So, my competitive card list... Is based on two tribes. Two Kandish tribes allied together to take it out. The reason I've gone for two tribes is because I've taken two Kandish kings. Bit sneaky of me, but I'm taking two Kandish kings. Too bad. That's what you've got. So the first warband has a Kandish king with the Kandish chariot. So king on a chariot with 12 Kandish warriors. Uh, it, the Kandish warriors basically there to go and hide, disappear. They, they jump in when the battle's uh, fought. But you don't want to get shot out too early. The Carnage King himself is a good model. I haven't put a bow on this guy because he's the leader. And I figure that I wanted to keep him behind terrain wherever possible so he can't get easy hits with shooting. So I don't want the temptation with a bow. So this Carnage King is just basically by himself with the chariot. The Carnage King is a really good model. The problem is the base size will come and hurt you at times. But it's it's a good way. It's one of the most reliable mounts in the games in terms of not dying because of the multiple wounds in Defense 6. It, it hits hard. It's a threat to enemy... Um, cavalry models, enemy hero models. The Carnage King is a good model. The Carnage Warriors, uh, not so much. Second Warband is another Carnage King from a different tribe with a bow in the Carnage Chariot. The bow is really good in the Carnage King because you can move the chariot full and still shoot your bow. So second Carnage King. Now because this one's not your leader, I would maybe suggest even using a converted up normal chariot. Maybe put a guy that make him a bit more of a hero. Maybe use the, the Carnage Chieftain model. Uh, yes, he's a king. Maybe put one of the banner poles on or play around with it, but I think he's he's a lesser king. And these are your only two chariots, so you can make them look whatever way you like. I know you've got a lot of chariots, Gunner, so 
use them. Get more chariots in the list if you want, but I figure two is probably enough just because they're hard to maneuver. Another 12 Carnage Warriors with this king, basically just so I can take some Carnage Horsemen. Now my next warband, warband three, has got a Carnage Chieftain with a horse and with a bow. So Carnage Chieftain, a horse and a bow, and tw- uh, seven Carnage Warriors in the same warband. You don't want to put too many cavalry in the same warband because they tend to get in each other's way. So I've gone for, this is your light cavalry. They're basically going to run around. They're going to shoot and try and draw the enemy towards you. They're not going to engage unless it's to their advantage. So you're going to go hide your Kandish warriors and your Kandish kings and your Kandish chieftain with the horsemen are going to just shoot, just run and shoot, run and shoot, move, run and shoot, and just be light cavalry and be annoying. Warband 4. I've got another warband in, which is good. I've got another Kandish chieftain with horse and a bow. So same as before. And only six Kandish horsemen in this one. So six Kandish horsemen here. It allows me to have 13 Kandish horsemen with the bows. The two heroes on horse both have a bow, and one of the Kandish kings have a bow. So this is going to the best list I can do with 750 points. You're going to have to play really well to get the wins out of it. There's some things it's just going to really struggle with. Like It doesn't have a lot to kill things like monsters, but then it's it's going old-fashioned, strike up with your... Well, no, it's not really old-fashioned. Strike up with your heroes, surround them, and see what you can do. You can't just worry as solid with the two-handed weapon if they have to fight high defense things, but they're not going to win a lot of fights on their own. So you need to be outnumbering models, and the only way you can do that is outmaneuver. So basically, your infantry, protect them, only bring them out when you're in the position you want, and let your horses and your chariots do all the work. This is an army that, look, I would like to see it on the battlefield, but I think it's going to be one that's going to be hard work to use but it is absolutely the best I could do with Khan at the moment. Fingers crossed that Khan gets a bit of a boost when the next book comes out. I would really like to see them to see them more for a start, but also to see them as a viable army. To see them as an army that you look at and you go, well, how am I going to beat this army? This is tough. Instead of looking at them going, okay, if I just play my normal game, I should be right. Because they're, they're just a little bit fragile. They're, the army composition doesn't quite work. They seem to be just an ally for Easterlings, but I don't like them as that. I like the pure list as well but it's not going to work as it is. So there you go, Gunner. Two Carnish kings, two Carnish chieftains on horse, the kings are on chariot, 24 Carnish warriors with the axes, none with the bows, and then 13 horsemen. Good luck. Goblin Town, 300 points. Some of the people who have been asking for lists have been beginners to the game. So Byron is one of these players. Byron's come from other game system. I've played Byron before in Malifaux, and I know that he came from a Warhammer background as well, but he's played a lot of different games. And Byron's going to give Lord of the Rings a try, or Hobbit a try, or Middle Earth Strategy Battle Game, or whatever we call it now, and that's fantastic. So Byron's basically asked for beginner advice with the Goblin Town that he's using from the, the box set game. So he bought, he bought himself a box set game, which is a good purchase, and wants to know how to start it. Now, 300 points is the list points level that I'm going to start at. At the, at the moment, our local scene's playing a bit of 300-point games. We find it as being the minimum we can play that still feels like a really good game of Hobbit, and for points match games, it's actually really interesting. It still takes a while to play through, but you've got some choices. You can do the objectives, and you can make a list, and it's a fun level to play at. So I've started Byron off with a 300-point list. 
But I'm going to give him advice about how to expand that because the thing about Goblin Town is it's not too hard to expand it out. It basically depends on how many goblins you have. So in our first warband, we've taken the Goblin King. Now, this guy is probably the number one choice to take in Goblin Town. He's just that good. He's really hard to kill with his Blubber 3 plus save. 120 points, you get a good amount of might, you get a monster that's a hero, resistant to magic, he's good burly, terror, lots and lots of different things that make him good. His only real weakness is when the courage test happens, he's not fantastic at it. He's got low courage and only a couple points of will, so he's prone to running away, and that's the best tactic to beat him, is often kill his friends and let, let him run away. But he's a good model to start with, and at 300 points, there's not a lot of things that can take him down. He's, he's going to have a run of the game. With him is eight goblin warriors, and one Goblin Warrior with two-handed axe. Now, the Goblin Warriors with two-handed axe are basically thrown in if I have spare points because they help make up the numbers. But when we come to the Scribe, he's going to summon the two-handed axe guys anyway. You're probably not going to use them as two-handed axes unless you're outnumbering, but it's a good option. The second Warband is Grinner. Now, this guy is good because he comes with the three points of might. That's basically his biggest advantage. He can do a swap with me move with the Goblin King, which can be situationally quite useful. But I find it doesn't really happen that much. It's really for his cheap three points of might that you're using Grinner. He's he's definitely a go-to in the Goblin Town list. And he's leading another warband with eight Goblin Warriors and a Goblin with two-handed axe. The third warband, 300 points, is the Goblin Scribe. Now, this guy is probably the second most important Goblin character behind the Goblin King in that he allows you to reinforce yourself with more Goblins. He's, he's expensive for a Goblin, 50 points. But he can easily pay for himself if you get the game going on long enough. And the fact that he can make goblins anywhere on the board was really helpful. So he's got four goblin warriors with him, basically just enough to move him around. So he's going to sit there. He's probably going to sit there behind a wall or somewhere hidden where they can't get shot out easily. And he's going to summon more goblins to the line. So we've got only a small amount of models for per warband, I guess. None of them are full warbands. But with the goblin scribe, we can definitely break that out. The goblin king takes up a huge chunk of our points. Now, this army is all about just getting into combat and swamping people. Just getting into combat, surrounding them, trap them, use your your ability to, I think it's called Chittering Hordes, where you're trying to use, basically use spear support. It, it's a good army to start with. It just teaches you the basic of trapping and movement. Your army's going to be pretty slow. You might need to call marches here and there to get in a position. Don't be afraid to do that. If you're going to expand the army, here's my recommendation. I think in order of importance for Goblin Heroes, if you've got enough points, I think the Goblin King is the first one. I think the scribe's the second one. Third one, I'm actually going to go for Golem as an independent. Now, I'm a bit of a hypocrite because I didn't use him in this list, but I just really couldn't fit him in because he, he can't lead a warband. He's on his own, but he comes with the ring. He's a ring bearer. So he's the cheapest ring bearer in the game. He can halve the fight value of models, and he can hold his own in a fight. So just putting him into something big like a, a, at the high end, a Gilgalad or a Troll allows your Goblin King and him to tag up and basically take down anything in the game. So he's really, really useful. He can't be shot out, really, with the ring. It's just so good a model to put in for 35 points, and you can easily afford it. So a golem is a really good idea. So I think he's a, probably the third most important one behind the Goblin King and the Scribe. And then I'll just say Grinner and Generic Captains are the next most important. So fill up those guys. You've got heaps of points to spend, so fill up your warbands. Go to 12 if you can, and then just... Get another warband. 12, get another warband. 12, get another warband. You could go at lots of captains as well. And then just basically summon the goblins, let the captains do the work. It's not a bad way to play Goblin Town, especially because you've got a lot of models to move. So it's definitely an option. But 
I would consider just going for the Warriors and learning the game that way. Keep in mind that you're probably going to summon, I don't know, around 6 to 12 goblins a game if it's going well and you've got the scribe. So make sure you've got some extra goblin models as well. Um, they should be very readily available for places like eBay and bit sellers and other places because lots of people have them. They come in a sprue of 18, which is pretty high for Lord of the Rings. So you should be able to find them around there. I don't recommend paying the Games Workshop box price for them. I think they missed a beat by charging that, but that's that's what they do. That they can charge what they like, and I think that it's a, it's an enjoyable army. I think that later on, when you get to really big points, you're going to want to ally something in. So maybe some Moria goblins, maybe uh, some dwellers in the the not dwellers in the dark. The, the dark dens and the Mirkwoods are a good ally of spiders and bats and wags. Uh, the, the trolls, the three trolls, Tom Burton Will are a good ally for this army, and maybe some hunter orcs or whatever else you want to put in the army. You can put in lots of different things there. The movie established that the goblins and the orcs move together and work together, so you can definitely include others. And it's a it's a good army to start with. I think it'll teach you the basics. It's never an army that's really easy to beat, unless you're basically all mounted Rivendell against it because they can't catch you. But it's it's an army that holds its own pretty well, and it's a good army to start with. And it's also quick to paint up. If you just go flesh tones, give them the wash, and then a quick highlight, paint the weapons, it doesn't take long at all to paint. So good choice to start with, Byron. I think you should get onto it. And then you can't really go too far wrong with this kind of list. It's it's pretty simple to make. So put together your Goblin Town. Uh, you'll win some games, you'll lose some games, but you'll learn the game pretty quickly in a forgiving way, and you can more than hold your own. Azog's Legion, 700 points. Terry has asked for an Azog Legion list with requirements that I use models, no proxies, so only models that are available at the moment, and no using profiles from the other ranges, so no using Mordor orcs to represent Gundabad to ally things in like Shaman. So straight out, just the, the Gundabad list, the Azog Legions list, and I am happy to oblige with this one, because this is an army that I took because I wanted to use the models to a recent tournament, and I have grown to love. I really like this army. I like it because I like how the models look, but I also like it how it plays. I think it impressed me. It was much better than I expected it to be, so which is really good. And I had a lot of fun playing this army. 700 points, I think, is a good amount for the Azog Legion. Any smaller and you start cutting down on some of your monster potential or your really good heroes. Because the strength of this list is the really big heroes, your Azogs and your Bolgs. And also the monsters, your Ogres at the low end, your Gundabad Trolls. And then your specialty Gundabad Trolls, the Troll Brute, the Troll Catapult. And then you've also got things like Gundabad Orcs, Berserkers, and some Goblins. And also some Bats as well. But the Bats haven't come out yet, so I won't include those in the list. Now, Terry, I've gone for something that's very similar to the army I took up to Sydney for the Clash of the Titans. And I managed to come third in that tournament. So let me tell you that this army list can play. The game I lost, I, I lost to a good player from Western Australia, Matt. But I also played pretty badly. And in hindsight, I have some ideas about how I would have beaten that army. Now, this army is not going to have any shooting. You're going to have to play 
in a totally different way than I, I would normally play personally, but then you might play. So I'm going to go over some tactics for it a bit later. So I might end up talking a bit. I told people that I'll talk a bit if I got excited about a list. This is a list that I get excited about. So let me go through what I've included and why, and then I'll go through how to use the list. So for the main hero, for the leader, I wanted one of Bolgar Azog. I think they're really powerful. I think they're really fun to use, and they really make a mess of the opponent, but they're expensive. But the advantage of this list is you get a bonus for Azog Legions. If you take only Azog Legions, which we're going to do, Terry's told me I have to, which is great, you get the Master of Battle rule, which is fantastic, because it means you can copy heroics. Now, I thought playing this that I'd end up copying heroic moves and things quite a bit, but it's really Heroic Strike is the one you copy, and that's great to be able to get that for free. So I've taken Bolg on a Falwag. Now, I could have gone for Azog, but I think he's just a little bit too expensive for 700 points. Bolg hits a spot where you get Bolg plus the Wag for seven, 175 points. Expensive. It's a lot of points, but he does a lot. He is so good, and he lasts through the game most of the time. He's really strong. With the Master of Battle, it means you might conserve for things you need it before when you need it, and I think he's really good. The Felwag is an amazing mount because you don't need Line of Sight to charge. So you can keep Bolg safe. You can hide him behind a wall. And he can come out and surprise someone to charge them. Really good for, for staying on the move. Really good for hunting down armies. He's really great to use. He's a fantastic leader. He takes a bit of practice to use correctly. But when he's on fire, he's on fire. Do not ever expect to get to the 10 kills. It just won't happen. In his warband, I've taken all the fast stuff in the army. So he gets six Gundabad Berserkers who have move eight. They are the heroes of the army. They are the ones that do all the work. They are fantastic. I, I did not realize how good they are until I started playing. And he's also taken away two Gundabad Ogres. I find the Ogres are really good monsters to take at sort of medium points level, 700, because you get multiple ones. If one of them is not doing much, you can get another one. You can use them as bait to pull some heroes near Bolg. You can do a lot of things with them. So two Gundabad Ogres gives you that monster present, but it also means you don't have to have more in one spot like you would with, say, a troll. You could easily swap it for a troll if you really like the model, but I think the Ogre is probably going to give you a bit more reliability. Warband 2 and 3 are very similar. Warband 2 has got a Gundabad Orc Captain with shield, so just your standard captain. It's got a total of 10 Gundabad Orcs. One of them has a spear, shield, and a banner. Four of them have spear and shield, and five of them have shield. So it's a basic infantry block, tough to move, can hold hold the line, can shield across the board, can use the spears if I want to go into tighter formation. I've included the banner. I think the banner is important in most armies, but it's very important to get a banner basically near your main attacks, so near your Berserkers, near Bolg, near the Gundabad Ogres, to really maximize your killing potential. I, I know we said no proxies, so the Galleon's Workshop model for the banner is not out yet. You can either make your own, or you can use the one from Unreleased Miniatures, which is what I've used. Either way, if you, you hate having models from other companies, just convert your own. Banners aren't that hard to convert. At a very simple level, you get a bit of wire and a bit of whatever, an, an Orc banner or something, or a, a Warhammer Fantasy banner, or you make your own banner out of foil or whatever, and you put it on, you can sculpt it up, you can do what you like for it. I think it's important to have in your army. You don't have to, you can drop it if you want, and you can throw in some more Berserkers, up to you, but I think the banner is the way to go. Warband 3 has a very similar amount, but basically just not the banner. So it's got the Captain with Shield, it's got 4 Gundabad Orc Warriors with Spear and Shield, and 5 Orc Warriors with Shield. Now you notice I put Shields on my Spearmen, I think this is good for a points game. If you're playing mostly points games, I suggest you do it, because it really helps them turn into the, the models you want them to be. If you're playing scenarios, you might want to leave them just as a spear, which is perfectly fine as well. If you're going to do that, you've got a handful of points to, to spend. You can just upgrade one of them to a berserker 
it's totally up to you. It's not going to make a world of difference. I think the shield is the way to go, but it's once again, the army still plays very similar. Like most of the army lists, little minor tweaks like that don't make a huge difference and don't make as much of a difference as people think they do. It's mostly your gameplay that makes a difference, not how you spend one or two points here and there. This gives us 30 models in total at 700 points, which is, uh, it's a medium amount. It's not a huge amount, but you've got some incredibly powerful models for Bog, the Gundabad Ogres, and then the Berserkers as well. Uh, I've Probably ones that people aren't going to rate as much as you find that they're useful. So the people who play them know how good they are. People who play against them probably look at them and just go, oh yeah, they're not that good, which is great. That's what we want them to think. Now for some tactics. Basically, you're a fast-moving infantry force. You've got no reason to stand still because you don't have any shooting. You don't have anything slowing you down. You've got your hard hitters moving at least eight inches. Your ogres, your berserkers, your falwag. You've got your ogres and your falwag bog. They can go over rivers and terrain, uh, the waters, much faster than people expect. So you can shift your attack really well. Stay moving. Keep moving with this army. Don't be afraid to fight combat. So that's what you want to be. You want to be in combat. But what you want to do is get your bog, your ogres, and your berserkers basically on a flank and just munch up the flank and then abandon that flank and head to a different part of the army line when they've started to form up. So you want to stay away. You can use heroics to do this. You can use all kinds of movement tricks. You can move around. Don't be afraid to disengage combat. What I learned in this army that I didn't realize at the start is that if you're not in a favorable position, so the game that I lost, I played against basically a half troll line with some magic users. I should have just run away. I should have just used my movement, kept moving, let them split up, and then when they split up, go after them. Don't try and draw them into a line. That was my mistake. The game I did do that where I moved around, I was against Thorin's company, and I just totally outplayed them because... If it, I wasn't in an opportune situation, I just abandoned the situation, just ran away, just moved away. Didn't have to worry about it. Um, my infantry is strong enough that shooting is not going to do much of damage to me, so I don't really care if I take a hit here and there. My Gundabad Berserkers are fast enough I can keep them in cover. Bolg is just amazing to be able to move around and hitting people. Uh, even heroes don't like going against him because he takes them out quite easily. Expect him to get four to six kills a game, but expect him to be big kills, like heroes and things like that, because that's the way to use Bolg. Don't worry about trying to get the 10 kills. If you get the 10 kills, you've already won the game, basically, at 700 points. You're not going to get them otherwise. In this army, you could technically get it because you can shield a lot, but I still don't think it's worth getting for. I, I'm going for just just get the kills when you can. Your Berserkers, the reason that I've said the Berserkers are so good is that they've got good courage and they've got fast movement. So these are the only models in your army that can reliably charge into monsters or magic users and pin them in place. Courage 6 is fantastic. They can charge ring raves. They can charge whoever they like. The elves that cause terror. Whatever army the dead. They're really good at that. So you've got fast movement and you get in combat with them. They also can take a variety of weapons. Whereas the Gundabad all have swords. The Berserkers can have axes. They can have swords. They can have two-handed weapons. I would just go for a mixture of the, the axes and swords. If you want to go full power gaming, maybe take all the axes at the moment. But I, I have a feeling that that will change at some point. You'll probably regret it. So I'll take a mixture of swords and axes. I haven't taken any two-handed weapon. Feel free to f flip some points around, take a spear off a Gundabad Orc and throw a two-handed weapon if you have the model. It's not going to make a difference either way. It's it's not a huge amount of difference. You will get some use out of the two-handed picks, but I find that I like them to fight at full effectiveness. Now, the other thing with the, the Gundabad Berserkers, if you're playing like a domination game where you have to hold objectives, 
The Gundabad Berserkers are the only models that can reliably hold the objectives, and they're tough enough to take on lone models that come and attack them. So I've had ones take on a cavalry model and beat it and kill it because they've got the two attack space. They've also got the high courage. They, they're not going to run away as often when you break, which you often do in Domination especially. So it means your main force, your Ogres and your Gundabads and your Bolg can go and just kill stuff or die. It doesn't matter either way. Whereas your Gundabads are fast enough to take objectives and to sit on them for a long time. So these guys are the stars. If you find any more points in the list, just get more Berserkers. They're really good. Uh, I still think you need lots of Gundabad Orcs. But if you end up taking off some of the spears or shields or whatever, just, just put some more Berserkers in. Having more Berserkers is never going to hurt. It's, look, it's a fun army to play. I really enjoy this army. It surprised me how effective it was. It was a total different playstyle than I'm used to. I'm used to doing like avoidance lists with weapons. This felt like an avoidance list with just combat, with no shooting. So the only way I could force the enemy to come at me was by moving my army one way, fainting them out, going another way, scaring them off. And I really enjoyed the the tactical battle there. It's really hard to avoid two ogres, bolg, and the berserkers coming into someone's flank. And once they're there, the ogres start hurling down the line. Don't expect the ogres to do any kills. The ogres there aren't to kill. The ogres are there to knock models down and basically protect your Gundabad warriors and give Bolg time to do his thing. The Berserkers are the ones doing the kills. Bolg's the one killing heroes. The Gundabad Orc warriors are basically holding your line. Don't be afraid to shield with them, but do attack as well. Don't don't shield all the time because you're not getting gain. And, and just have fun with this army list. Terry, I, I think that you'll really enjoy this army list. I'm, you can probably tell I really am excited about this. I love the models now, especially with my color scheme. I'm sure you've seen photos of them. If you haven't, go on the Green Dragon page, have a look. I don't like the Games Workshop color scheme with the, the basic silver, but I think you could probably paint them that color if you wanted to. Totally up to you, and I think you'll really enjoy this. So have a go with the Azog's Legion, and once more models come out, just keep expanding it. It's going to be an amazing list, I think. And I think it's going to be amazing list because it's got weaknesses as well as strengths, and it plays differently to a lot of other lists. There's no real shooting in this list except... The Bolg with the, the Arrow and the Catapult from the Troll, which is quite expensive. So you have to start designing your list around that. Um, on the, the Morgul Arrow with Bolg, you've noticed I haven't taken it. You could take it if you want to. Uh, I didn't take it for, for two reasons. One, it's not on the model, and I didn't want to convert up my, my lovely Bolg model that I already finished. And two, I didn't want it to take away from the fact that Bolg should be moving fast at all times. If I put an arrow on him, I'm basically wasting my time shooting a single orc bow, trying to get a kill with one of the best combat models in the game. And I didn't want to let myself fall into this trap. I often do this with characters. I'd be a bit conservative. I take shots with them and they end up in the wrong spot. Bolg is all about positioning him in the right spot. He's all about threatening. He's fantastic just on his own, on, on foot. And with the wag, he's amazing. So position him really well. Get to where he wants to be. Don't go half speed to shoot. It's, it's not a winning tactic to try and get that one shot. There's really nothing of value you can get off that. You're probably going to miss. Just just You can take it if you want. You can take the Morgul Arrow. It's got some decent abilities, but I wouldn't bother. So and I, I don't bother. But that's the list. 700 points. Azog's Legions, Bolgan Falwag, two Gundabad Orc Captains, six Berserkers, two Gundabad Ogres, and then it's about 19 Gundabad Warriors. Enjoy.
Moria and Agmar, 550 points. Leon for Germany has asked for a tournament list at 550 points using Moria and Angmar, using a specific collection of models that he has. He's talked about basically some German scene where you only play good versus evil, and you get to basically use themed armies. So this army are themed, using Moria and Angmar, I themed it as the old uh, dwellers in the dark. So we've got goblins, we've got bats, we've got spiders, basically a wild, wild creatures all together in one list. So it should be a fun list to do. Now, it's also got the Witch King of Agmar, but he's not at full power. Witch King of Agmar with basically not not the highest level. He's a, he's a budget Witch King of Agmar. So he's basically traveling and he's, he's getting beasts around with him. So my first list is going to be just the Witch King of Agmar with three might and one fate extra. So he's got three might, ten will, one fate, and he's the leader of the army. So a basic leader, 90 points, is solid for three might and the magic powers. He leads five Orc Warriors of Shield, four Orc Warriors of Spear, and one Orc Warrior with Spear and Banner. So he's got a very basic warband, but it's it's going to be solid. Allied with this group is a significant amount of models from Moria. So in the Moria list, we've got a Moria Goblin Captain with Shield, seven Moria Goblin Warriors with Shield, and five Moria Goblin Warriors with Spear. So a combat Goblin Force led by the Captain with Shield. The next warband has a Captain Moria Goblin Captain with Orc Bow, so Leon said he had the model of the shield and the model of the, the bow as the captain, so I've included them both. Three Moria Goblin Warriors with spear and six Moria Goblin Warriors with bow. So this has got your bow troops in there. Not a lot, but enough to keep the opponent honest and maybe kill a horse or two. In this warband, there's also some sneaky models. You've got a Bat Swarm. Bat Swarms are amazing models. They are so useful. They've got the speed. They've got the ability to half fight values, rounding down for some reason. And they, they've got four wounds, so they're resilient. They're well worth taking. And then I've got two giant spiders as well, which gives you extra hitting power and keeps the theme going. It's the theme of these the, the beasts of the wild. And together, the Batswarm two giant spiders can kill most things, actually, believe it or not, those three models. So they, they're really strong. Then I've included one more warband, just a casual Spider Queen. Spider Queen is one of the models that we don't see very often anymore in our local area. I don't know about you around the world. It used to be the most popular model because it was well and truly under cost. It used to be about 75 points and was amazing. Now it's over the 100 point mark, so you have to really think about using it. It's probably not as good as something like Shelob, but it's got the might now, which is very useful. It's got the ability to give out more models. And because you know you're playing against good, there's not a lot of things that can sap its will. So you can either use the will for courage tests, or you can use the will to make the broodlings, which is going to be useful at times as well. So I think it just adds to the theme as well. And I think it's going to be a fun model to include an individual spider queen. So it gives some really threat. It gives you a monster. You can do some some sneaky things with the hurls and you can have a go at this, and it's a model that I don't see very often, so I think that people are playing against this army aren't going to look and say it's the most powerful army in the world, but it can definitely play. It's not it's not a, a bad army at all. So the main thing about the Spider Queen is you've got 
you've got your pounce rule, so you're basically a cavalry model, but you've also got a monster. So you're essentially a monstrous cavalry model for for most things. You've got movement. You can go wherever you want. You can make broodlings. It's it's a good model. You cause terror. You've got three wounds. Only two attacks, but it's you get the knockdown, so you get the extra attack on the charge. Good model to use. A good army to use overall. You've got lots of flexibility. Because you've got so many goblins, you're able to have some luxuries, like the spiders and the bat swarms and the witch king. And I think that it would go reasonably well. So I look forward to seeing how you go with this, Leon, to hearing about this. I think it's an army that, that could definitely work well on a tournament scene. It covers, it's got speed in the bat swarms and the spiders. It's got resilience in a lot of models. We've ended up with 38 models at 550, which is a good amount of models. And it's got some, some sneaky things in there with the spells. So you can dra- drain some courage. You can throw some transfixes. Poor poor captain or poor Gilgalad who gets transfixed and eaten by the Spider Queen. I feel sorry for that model. So watch out for, for this army. I think it's going to be a decent choice. And you've got lots of flexibilities at this point level for evil because you can take some really cheap troops and then fill it out with whatever luxuries you want. There's lots of other options in the list as well. But try this one out. Should do well for you, Leon. Isengard. 500 points. Now I've got an Isengard army for 500 points requested by Jono, who's just started playing with this. Jono was apparently a listener for quite a while. He's had a Lord of the Rings collection for a long time and some Hobbit models as well, but never really played the game. So just recently we played some games with him and, and taught him the game. It was really good fun. I played a 300-point game. I set up a force with my my Mordor Urukai versus the Numenorans because they're pretty much a mirror match. It's not very hard to use either of them. And we had some really fun games. Jonah managed to pull off some wins. Uh, part of that was because he made some solid moves. Part of that was because uh, the Numenorans are slightly better in that because they have the spears. But I think he really enjoyed that and, and said he did. So I'm looking forward to playing with you again, Jono. So here's your first real sort of army to set up. 500-point Isengard you've asked for. And I think I can do a pretty good 500-point Isengard list. It's a pretty old-school one as well. So if, because you've been collecting for a while, I've taken models that have been out for a while, which is pretty easy in Isengard because they all have. It's based around the fighting Urukai, which for most people is Isengard. I haven't got anything too tricky. It's a pretty straightforward force, but I do think it's reliable, and I do think it's a strong force. So at 500 points, I've taken Verasku as the leader. Verasku was a... A bit of a silly guy, to be honest. He's got scout armor for some reason, but he's got the siege weapon, the crossbow. Now, he gets two crossbow shots, so he's a very popular leader for small Isengard forces, like 500 points. So I've put him in leading a warband of eight Urukai warriors with crossbow. So I assume you've got that match. If you don't, look around. I know they're still available, I believe, so they're, they're worth getting. Uh, basically, I figure that gives you 10 shots of crossbows, which is really strong. Now, if you don't have Rasku or you don't have access to him, swap him for someone else. Swap him for Lurt, swap him for an Urukai captain, swap him for whatever. It doesn't really matter. Uh, they'll all work just as well. Keep in mind that Rasku can fight in combat really well. He's really good at combat. Don't just shoot with him. 
but if he's your leader, you can protect him pretty well with the shots, and he's pretty decent. So that's a good warband. It's pretty deadly. Now, also remember the Urukai Warriors of Crossbowmen are combat warriors as well. So I'll talk about tactics in just a moment. Warband 2 is an Urukai captain with shield and heavy armor. You could swap it out for a two-handed weapon if you wanted to. It doesn't really matter once again, but shield and heavy armor is the most common captain, so that's what I've gone for. And he's leading six Urukai Warriors with shield. The typical Urukai Warriors, they're nice models. They're a bit old at the moment, but I think they look really good as well. And they've also got six Urukai Berserkers. I know some people have gone really Berserker heavy. I like six. I think it's enough to, to do the job and and get the real feel for the Isengard army. Then Warband 3 is an Urukai Shaman with armor. Uh, I've got one model particularly in mind. I really like the look of this Shaman. And leading five Urukai Warriors with Pike and one Urukai Warrior with Pike and Banner. So a very small Pike block to add in there. So you get a mixture of the Urukai Warriors across the board. Now, personally, I'm not a big fan of the Shaman. If I was playing this list, the only change I'd really make is to swap the Shaman into another captain, because I get more out of that. But as you are a beginning player, I think you will get a bit out of the Shaman. It means your force is going to stay around for the Courage Test. That's its main job. It means that the majority of force can charge terror-causing models, which uh, only really the Berserkers could do otherwise, reliably. And it means you've got a very slim chance of saving some wounds here and there. That's not the main part. Don't worry about that. I would honestly save his might for other things. Don't try and channel the Fury and get 5 plus saves. I don't think they're that reliable. If you get a Fury save, just laugh at your opponent, have some fun with it, but don't expect it. It's not reliable. The reliability is ca- casting Fury to try and get the 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 aura off so you can pass Terror Tests. Try and cast it on one will, then you've got a spare will, you can throw out a transfix, cheeky transfix here or there, you're probably not going to get it off, but it can scare the opponent, sometimes it works, and away you go. Now the main tactics for this force, what I'm going to do, imagine this is the setup. Your crossbowmen and Vrasku are your front line. They go in the front. They go front and centre, and they sit there probably a move and a half, two moves away from the enemy, maybe even more if you feel like it. If you look at their army and they've got a lot of shooting, uh, you can afford to probably be a bit closer. If they don't have much shooting, you can afford to be further away and let them walk, trundle across the board, because you're going to scare them off if you're shooting. This is not only your main missile force, it's also your frontline combat force. You want the enemy to come charge it. So you're forcing them to make a choice. Do you either charge the crossbowmen and then hope to kill them off so they don't shoot you, or do you let them shoot you? Either way, it's win-win to you, Jono. Then, near this, you've got basically straight behind it, you've got the Urukai Shaman and the Pike Block with the banner. So they sit there behind the crossbows, and they help out. Now you don't, once you get to be a really good player, you're going to disguise this so they can't see it's going to happen. But they're going to end up behind the crossbowmen for most games. Sometimes I won't, sometimes I keep moving. Don't worry about making a really tight pike formation. Spread them out. You get more benefit from giving each guy one pike than you do for giving one guy two pikes, unless you really want to push through a certain area. But the banner's important there as well. He can also pike support. I put that on. I don't know what I feel about that, but I think that's okay. Then you've got your other warband, which is essentially your flank forces. You've got a captain. He can either boost your line, go in the middle, or go capture an objective or something. The Urukai with shield can just hold your flanks and shield. So if something's coming around the side, if you don't have any terrain to anchor yourself on, you can put the shield in there, and they can hold up your line. So they're, they're really reliable there. Your berserkers are not only a hard-hitting force that you can use to to put in your main line to go attack something, they're really good objective catches and skirmishes because they've got the, the really amazing Courage. Courage 7 is just phenomenal. So they can go capture objectives. They can sit there. A group of them with the captain leading them can go march away and 
try and get to the other side of the board. They can do all kinds of fun stuff, but they can also boost your line. So there you your force that's really flexible. So think of your force as either a very defensive stand there in a block and let the enemy come at your force, or you can afford to to use your basically your crossbows as missile support while the rest of you guys go off and get objectives and and take out other parts of force. It's a really fun army to play with, and it's one that I've used a few times um, in different parts of the game, different variations on the game, and really enjoyed it. So some of the options you could do, you could easily go and swap out uh, your shaman for a captain if you didn't want that. You can swap Vasku out for others if you don't want Vasku to be your hero. If you like some of the other heroes, that's fine as well. You can move around the warriors. You can put more pikemen in if you want. So instead of maybe the shield guys or the crossbow guys, you could then take some other models, take up berserkers. You could probably skim it down to two warbands at a pinch, but I don't think it would fit in for 500 very well. I think three three warbands is the way to go. The only reason you could really do that is if you took some bigger stuff, some wag riders or maybe a bomb team. Bomb team could be fun. But I don't recommend that as a beginning player. I think you need some boots on the ground. 29 models at 500 I think is a good amount. Three warbands is a good amount. You've got a decent amount of might. You're sitting at six might currently, which I think is enough to do the job. You can get it up to, you can get it more. If you swap the Shaman for something like, I don't know, an Ugluck, you could turn it into 8 Might or 9 Might pretty easily. But once again, it's taking away your theme as being the Siege Urukai Force. It's a, it's a nice army to use. It's a quick army to paint if you do have some good painting techniques. I've seen some really well painted armies using a technique called dipping, where basically they paint the silver for the, the armor, they paint the skin in some browns usually a reasonably light brown, uh, maybe a reddy brown or a fleshy brown. And then they get basically either a floor wax, so a colored floor wax, which is usually brown stained, or specific uh, product designed to do that. So I think Army Painter Range has some dips. And you basically, you could dip the models in this, but I don't recommend this. You get, get a, a cheap brush, that, but one that the bristles aren't going to fall out, and then paint this floor wax on, basically. It makes a really thick enamel coat, but because it takes long to dry... And the way it does, all the, the, the pigment goes into the recesses. So it gives you some really nice shading effect really easily and really quickly. And then just hit it with a matte spray or a hand wash like a lamium medium or some other matte medium. And then you're good to go. Paint some white hands on. It's it's really forgiving freehand, the white handprints, because they don't have to be perfect. But I think they can look really good. Have a look at handprints online to see how handprints are made. I've seen people do them and they tend to do too much in the handprints. Less is more when you do a handprint. So really enjoy this army. I, I think... I look forward to you putting it together. I will happily put together a Rohan Force for you to, to beat with it, Jono, if you want to play next time. Good luck. Mordor, 600 points. Jamie has asked for a 600-point Mordor list that includes the Witch King of Agmar and Armored Fell Beast, and is possibly themed around the Siege of Minas Tirith. So, with this this list, this is straight from the movie. You've got the Witch King flying around, annoying people on the walls, while the Orcs are basically manning siege weapons and, and attacking. Now, Jamie didn't use the words competitive for 
for this list. So I've tried to make it a good list, but it's not the most competitive or toughest list I've got. But I think it'll be fun to play. It's using the Witch King at 600 is tough. It makes it hard to use. It means that I have to basically get the most value out of it wherever I can. The Witch King's an interesting character in that you get to choose basically how much it costs. It can be as cheap as 70 points if you take absolutely nothing except the base 10 will, or it can be really expensive. This one's going to be up there in points, but I've tried to shave some points off here and there just to make sure I've got enough boots on the ground to, to hold objectives and to have something else fun in the list. So what I've gone for for the Witch King, the stats are going to be the Armored Fell Beast, which is the Defense 7 Fell Beast, making it almost immune to shooting weapons and very hard to kill in general. And then it's going to have 3 Might. So 3 Might's, I think, always worth it. That's my first option of the Witch King. 5 extra points of will, taking the Witch King up to 15 will. I think that's enough for 600 points. It's on par with other Ring Raves. I don't want you to end up having to throw away will for nothing. So 15, I think, gives you enough to do combat, but also to pull your Transfixes and your Drain Courages and your Sap Wills off. And I've given him two fate. Now, you might decide to flip a will to an extra fate, Jamie, but I think two fate should probably be enough in this game. It's totally up to you if you move that around. So I've kept him at 190 points, so a third of the list. Quite expensive, but I think that this Witch King is strong enough to do what you want him to do and a good enough threat to make the enemy a bit nervous, I guess. With some hurls and with some barges and with some attacks, you can, you can manipulate the enemy pretty well. The Witch King's got enough Moranon Orcs with him to just defend him if he comes on in the wrong spot. So he's got four Moranon Orcs with shield, five Moranon Orcs with shield and spear. Now, I could have got more models if I went for just basic Orcs, but I don't think it would fit the, the Siege of Minas Tirith theme as much. I think the Moranon Orcs really suit that theme well. And also, I figure the Witch King, you want the Elite Guard, you want the Moranon Orcs around as well, and I'm making sure the defense sticks across the board so they don't die as easily. Also, the Strength 4 is really helpful. So these are solid Orc troops. They're not the cheapest Orc troops, but I think they'll do well. The next Warband has a Moranon Orc Captain with Shield. You could flick this out for a two-handed weapon if you wanted to, but I like the Shield model. Five Moranon Orcs with Shield, six Moranon Orcs with Spear and Shield, and then one Moranon Orc with Spear, Shield, and Banner. So this is the Banner Warband. It's the Block Warband. It's the biggest Warband. It basically sits in the middle and gets into combat as soon as you like. It doesn't have to go straight away, but pretty soon is good. Then I've got a third warband, and this is the bit of the gamble one that, that I talked about not being competitive. I've got an engineering captain, so the expensive orc captain that comes with the artillery leading a mortar war catapult. So basically, the, just the captain, the war catapult, it sets up on its own. It sets up as far back as you can in the board, and your model's set forward because it's got a minimum range, and you want to be firing. Look, even if your models are in combat, you probably want to be having a go with firing, at least threatening. It's a, it's a scary army. If someone gets into a shootout with you, this catapult could do some serious damage to them. I've seen what it can do firsthand. It's one that's very situational, but I've seen it kill things like a Witch King. I've seen it take out... Um, I was playing against it one time with, with my Lake Town, and it killed three of my dwarf heroes just with catapult shots and getting the six. And I figure with the Engineering Captain, if you roll that five on the scatter chart, throw an extra point of might at it, and there we go. You can... You can get the bang on target and do some real, real damage. So that's not a normal choice. It's a it's an expensive choice. Most people just go for another warband of orcs. But I figure for a siege, if you want to do the siege minister, you have to have something that can siege minister. And the, the catapult is the thing that can do that. If you had more points, you could throw the troll in, which is good. You could probably play around with it, lower your amount of Moran and orcs, put it in a troll a troll 
instead of the captain and put it into the, the one of the warbands, uh, you'd still end up with about the same models. So that's a possibility as well if you really wanted the troll loader. So 26 models at 600 points is elite. The orcs are okay. They're not the most elite troops, but they'll hold their own. The catapult is very hit and miss. If it hits, it's amazing. If it misses, it's rubbish. But the Witch King of Agmar is a solid model. So this army, I think, will just really look good on the table. I think it will look the part. People walking by the board will see it and know what the army's based on and know what it looks like, and it'll look Lord of the Rings to them. And I think that's important sometimes. You've just got to make a, an army list that looks like it should be in Lord of the Rings because sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just look like a scatter of random models. Uh, this one definitely looks like it's in Middle Earth. It'll take some practice to get used to. It might be absolutely rubbish. I don't guarantee this is going to be the best list ever, but you didn't tell me to be competitive, Jamie. You told me to make a siege-themed list with the Witch King, and I have done that. And look, I will play this army as well. I'm going to give it a try, and I'll let you know how it goes. It probably will be more effective than my Dunland list, which is pretty effective. So we'll see how it goes. If you learn to use the Witch King well, I think this army list would do well for you. And it'd be something different. Sometimes seeing a catapult will scare people because they've never seen them being used before. So good luck with this, Jamie. I hope you enjoy it. Morgul Knights, 550 points. Andrew requested that I make an army list that included a lot of Morgul Knights. He suggested 550 points, which isn't a huge amount to work with, really. I know that some of the Australian tournaments are going to move to this value soon. It really makes you make some serious choices in your army lists. And he's asked, he said he's got, I think it's 20 Morgul Knights. No way I can fit this many in, Andrew. So I'm going to do my best to make an army that's playable, but it's going to be tough with the, the Morgul Knights. You're going to use all your skill to win the game with this army. So what I've done for the leader, I've put the Dark Marshal on a Fell Beast. So this is one of the Ring Wraiths. It's one of the few Ring Wraiths that actually increases the ability of warriors around it. So the Dark Marshal is a banner effect for for warriors. So with the Morgul Knights in the army list, which will show up very soon, they're going to benefit hugely from the Dark Marshal. I needed something that was a serious threat. So the Dark Marshal on Fell Beast is a good combat Ring Wraith. It's able to do spells. It's good all around. The Felbeast really helps you get where you want to get. So it's a good one. And it also looks really nice. It looks a bit like a Morgul Knight. So I think it fits with the theme as well. The Dark Marshal leads five Morgul Knights. And these are 20 points of pop. Heavy Cavalry. They cause terror, which really synergizes well with the, the Dark Marshal. They've got Lancers. They've got good armor. I think it's six for the, the riders and then five for the horses. So really solid all-around models. Fight four. They, they do their job. But there's not many of them. So we're going to have to use them really well. We're going to have to be opportunistic. Use the Fell Beast to, to barge and hurl and get models out of the way. And then the Morganites clean them up. The Warband 2. I've gone for another hero here. And this could be a bit of an indulgence. I've gone for a Black Numenorian Marshal with the Armored Horse, Shield and Lance. So basically a buddy for the, the Dark Marshal. I thought that I don't want to spend the Dark Marshal's might on things like combats and moves and that stuff. So... I've got another model here to call that sort of thing. And you you do need to. When you 
You've got a knight army, a, a cavalry army. You're going to have to call some heroic moves occasionally. So that's what his job is. Also can do heroic combats pretty well. Nice hitty character. It's getting getting up there in points, but I think it's necessary. And five Morgul Knights as well in that warband. So comes with five Morgul Knights. We've got two warbands of five Morgul Knights with a leader each. And that's the, the backbone of the army. Not many models to start with. Warband three, I've gone for basically something just to sit on an objective. Maybe if it's one of those take the hill objectives, just stay in the middle, absorb hits, generally be annoying. I've just gone for a basic Castellan of Dol Guldur. I haven't even bought it the Morgul Blade. I just thought, just go as cheap as I can. Just the 40-point Castellan of Dol Guldur. It's a drop. You put it down. You stand in the way. And it basically just holds the line, gets in the way, and is annoying. If you if you get a choice, you throw it into the enemy heroes and just get them to waste their time killing it. Because they, they'll have a hard time getting through that. It's a sacrificial unit. It might do some killing. It might not. Don't really care. It doesn't get the benefits from the Dark Marshal in terms of rerolls. But it may may do something, but it's basically an extra drop, and it sits on objectives. So it's not going anywhere once it's on the objectives. It's a good model to put in, and it does fit the theme as well. It looks very similar to the Morgul Knights, so worth taking Castellan of Dol Guldur. My final warband is the Dark Denizens of Mirkwood, uh, typical six Falwag warband. I love the Falwags. I've talked about them before, I'm sure. The Falsite rule is one of the best special rules in the game, especially with cavalry models, because what you find is you charge him with your front rank, and then you end up not being able to see. But the Falwag can duck around the back. They don't need the line of sight to charge. You can hide them behind buildings, behind trees, behind whatever. They can go sit on objectives if you need them to. They just do everything you want them to do, and they're reasonably priced. So they're under half the price of the Morgan Knights. So I was able to get six of them to bring the total models up to 19. 19 at 550 is low. It's not a lot of models, but... They're fast, they're powerful, you've got a ringwraith, you can deal with pretty much everything. You've got lances across the board, so wounding things isn't going to be the biggest issue. You've got the wags to go and hunt down lone guys, you've got the Morgul knights to cause terror. You should be able to do some damage. If you get caught in a protracted combat, you're gone. But I think, Andrew, you've got enough experience of cavalry to know how to do this. You're not going to be able to rely on your, your archery. You've really only got the Dark Marshal to force people in the right spot. So use some tactics really well. Use the Felwags as bait, perhaps, and then use the Morgan Knights to do the the finishing blow. Should be a fun army to use, uh, like all of them. I'm keen to try this one out. I've got to paint some more Morgan Knights. I don't have those going, but I do have a Dark Marshal conversion on Felbeast, and I really like that model. So I'm looking forward to getting this out, and I'll tell you how it goes in a later episode, I guess. So summarize, that was 550 points, Dark Marshal on Felbeast with five Morgan Knights, Black Numenor Marshal on horse with all the kit, five Morgul Knights, Castellan of Dolgaldor, and six Felwags. Arbrican, 600 points. Scott requested a 600-point Harrod list. He gave me a list of the models that he owned, and he said he was coming back to the game after a while. So this is a list that shows off a bunch of different things, and it should be fun to play. Now, he had quite an extensive Harrod list to choose from, so I basically got all the stuff that I wanted to put in the army. Uh, 600 points, once again, feels limited, but I went for a fun mix of options here. Uh, he asked for a ba- possibly a Palinor Fields theme, 
But I figured with the amount of Haridors at Palinor Fields, I'm not too fussed about what tribe it is. The Mumak is an obvious choice. I was going to go for Celadon. That was a choice that I almost always take, but I thought I'd go a different direction. So I went for an Abrakan-themed force led by the Golden King of Abrakan. So this model is a very unusual model. It's on a big base. It's got two guys carrying the, the leader. It's got four attacks. So it's not a cavalry model. It doesn't get any bonuses to the attacks, but they also get the chop special rules. So they get one plus to wound without the negatives. So you've got a model with strength four, which basically functions as strength six with four attacks. It kills models when it gets in combat. Fight four, it's not going to beat the world with that, but you can always strike up, of course. It's got two wounds and six will and two fate. So this is a, a model also four wounds. So it's a, it's a strong model. It's an expensive model, 115 points, but it can do some serious damage. It's also got a very interesting special rule called Riches Beyond Renowned. Now, basically, the Golden King can bribe models to fail their courage test. So this is really handy. When an enemy hero takes a courage test within 12 inches, big range, the enemy's courage is reduced by one for every point of will the Golden King expends. Note that the Golden King can wait for the Courage Test to be rolled before deciding whether or not to expend his will. That's amazing. So you can see the result ahead. If they fail by one, just throw a coin at them and make them run away. If both players wish to alter the result, they must both secretly indicate how much they wish to alter it by, a minimum of one, and reveal simultaneously. So once again, you can just steal their resources, take their will away, take their might away. It's a really powerful rule. You can bluff, because if it's a break test, for example... They have to spend their resources to keep the, to the model on the board. They can't risk letting it go. So you either spend all your will and just throw it away, or just maybe spend one will and then do it again next turn. It's a really powerful rule. And then I thought I'll take advantage of that by maybe something else in the list, which I'll talk about soon. So the Golden King leads four warriors of Abrakan with spear. I've taken the upgrade. It's a, it's a point. It's not the best value upgrade there is. The Haradrim Warriors are a solid Warriors. They're human. They've got an average stat. Spear is a fine weapon. The Abrakan have Courage 4. Courage 4 is suddenly really good. They're going to be hanging around for a while. It's at that level where you you pass the vast majority of Courage Tests. And if you have to charge a terror-causing model, you don't really worry about it too much. So it's a really good good Courage level. It's probably not the best value but I don't mind. It, it's basically in lieu of a, a Warhorn. So I'm not paying for the Warhorn. I've spread it across my whole army, which I don't mind at that level. And plus, it fits the theme really well. He's also got six Abrakan Merchant Guard. These models are some of the, the most interesting ones in the game, I think. They're the big, fat bodyguards with a two-handed weapon. And once again, they have the chop rule, so they don't suffer a penalty for wielding a two-handed weapon. So you've got a fight four strength four model. It's strength essentially strength six with no downside, but a really fragile model. Defense four, one wound. And courage three. I don't even get the courage upgrade on these guys. So they're easy to take out, but they do some serious damage. Six of those, they they really go well, the Golden King, because they're the ones holding him up as well. So they fit that theme really well. Now I finished off the Golden King's warband with a half troll of Far Harrod and a half troll of Far Harrod with a two-handed weapon. So Scott said he had two half-trolls. I assume it's one blister pack. One of them's got a two-handed weapon. One of them's got a hand weapon. So I just put those guys in. You can't go wrong with half-trolls. They're really good models. High fight, high strength, two attacks. Courage 2 is rubbish. But Terror as well, they, they are nasty models. So they're well worth putting in. Now, I forgot to mention before, the Golden King of Abrakans counts as a banner. So this is one of the few army lists that I've got that won't have a banner in it. But he counts as a banner 
effect. So I didn't really put it in. I wanted to get a mixture of models in there. So basically, I ta- haven't put the banner in and it's got me a half troll. The second warband is pretty basic. It's a Haradrim Chieftain with bow. Um, so it might be a bit of conversion. I don't know what Scott's Haradrim Chieftain has in there, but a bow is a solid choice. And I know that you can get spare bows and quivers on the Raiders, so you can easily put one on the back of a model, give it a, a sword as the other weapon, a hand weapon, away you go. Then I've got six Warriors of Abrakan with spear and six Warriors of Abrakan with bow. So basically just a standard amount of plastics. The bows are really good. Spears are solid. Courage 4 is not going to get me everywhere, but it's once again, I'm not spending the world on it. And then Warband 3, my final Warband, is pretty small. It's only got the Betrayer on Felbeast and three Abrakan Raiders, once again, Courage 4, with bow and war spear. So they've got the full equipment. They're, they're good. So a bit of cavalry in there for Scott and a Felbeast. So... Felbeasts are fantastic models, especially at the moment. They really do well. Magic just helps you so much. You can deal with anything with magic. The Betrayer's a slightly worse spellcaster than some of the Ringwraiths. Its Drain Courage is a 3+, which is a little bit of a shame because that, that synergizes really well with the Golden King's rule. So it's definitely something that, that I would consider. It's got 14 wills, so throwing a will at a Drain Courage here and there doesn't, doesn't matter too much. Uh, it's got... Compel and Transfix both on a 4+. So this is one that encourages you to do Compelling, which is really good. Compel's fantastic. Being able to move a model half speed, you only really Transfix if they're already in the spot you want. So say the Golden King's about to go into combat with them, Transfix the model, Golden King charges in there, chops it up with its 4 attacks and 1+. It's going to be nasty. Probably the worst part about the Wraith, though, is a 5+, Sapwell. This is at the point where you probably won't even bother with Sapwell. So it's a ring wraith that really limits the spells you probably want to cast. You're probably going to stick with Compel and Drain Courage, and that's about it. So it's mainly a combat wraith. It gets to reroll wounds, so that's fantastic on a fell beast. It's going to kill things. And it also has this the buff for any models within six inches that have poison blades, special rule, can reroll fail to wound rolls on a one or a two rather than one. So that helps out with your bows. So that's pretty good. So you can sit when you when before you get into combat. Sit back with the bows, let them shoot a bit. Hopefully the poison gets something. But it's mainly just there as a generic ring wraith to do do some do the work of the ring wraith. It's a bit of an all-rounder. The fell beast really, really helps you out. And it's gonna synergize brilliantly with the Golden King. So once break tests come around, oh, they're in trouble, the enemy's in trouble. But you've only got 30 models. So this is not a huge amount for Harrod Army. You need to make sure you're doing some serious damage, and then you can take care. Once once you break the force, you're not too bad. But getting there is going to be the trick for it. But it should be a fun mix of models. And I'm really happy with the Arbrican theme. It's it's the kind of army you imagine a rich Golden King would bring in. And then the Betrayer for support. Normally I straight out make the Ring Race the leader. But I would consider just for the theme of it making the Golden King the leader. And I can imagine him doing some sort of deal uh, with the with the Ring Race to assist. Rather than the Ring Race just taking over the army. It could be, it could be an interesting one. I imagine him with quite a powerful character. And, and in charge of quite an interesting force. So this is... Basic, similar army. I know that Scott's already got it done, so I hope you can try it out. If you don't like it, Scott, let me know and I'll, I'll change it up for you. But I think you'll have fun with it. It's got a good mix of everything. It's not over-the-top powerful, but it's not going to lose all its games either. It's going it's to hold its own, and I think it's decent. Wraiths on Wings, 700 points.
Jeremy, another Jeremy, nice name there, Jeremy. Jeremy from the USA has asked me for a basically a flying army, a fell beast army for 700 point Nova comp, which is basically you have to use four models at least. And you have to, there's limitations about ally contingents. And he's asked me for all flying army that can beat Iron Hills ballistas. Now, I'm not sure about why he's so worried about Iron Hills ballistas. I, I think that they're not as scary as he thinks it is. And this army, I think, is not going to be too worried about it unless you get hit by one, which is not a good thing. But hopefully I've found a way to avoid that as much as possible. So for the 700 Fell Beast or Flying Army, he suggested that I could use some bats and things, but I just couldn't get them in the army list. I just It didn't work out at all. So I've gone for all Fell Beasts at 700 points, which is a good army. Basically with this army, you're going to be targeting heroes and banners and anything important taking them out of the game, either by moving them away from the battle line or by killing them, and then basically doing some hit and run on some infantry until they fail their courage test, then using your harbinger of evil to make them run away. You've ended up with four models. So the first model is going to be the Witch King of Agmar on Fell Beast. So this Witch King of Agmar, once again with the Witch King of Agmars, or maybe this is the first time, I can't remember the order. With the Witch King of Agmar, you get to choose the stats that you want. You get to move around the stats to make sure that you get your optimal points cost, which is very flexible and, and it's a good way of doing it. So for this Witch King, I've gone for a Fell Beast, just a standard Fell Beast, a Morgul Blade, which is a nice and competitive weapon to, to take down heroes, and then 3 Might, 17 Will, 2 Fate. So 190 points. Solid amount of points. He's added the flexibility, actually, the Witch King, because I wanted to get to 700 points and the flexibility of the Witch King has allowed me to do that. It also allows me to sneak in the, the Morgul Blade and the Three Might, which is useful. My second Ring Wraith is going to be the Knight of Umbar. So the Knight of Umbar is a combat Ring Wraith. He's not as good a spellcaster as the others, but he can mimic stats around him, which is very useful. And he's one of those ones that, that if he's winning combats, he doesn't have to drop will. So he's very useful in that way. So the Knight of Umbar, solid choice. The named Wraith, you can swap him out for someone else. This is the, probably the one that I would consider dropping if you wanted to get someone else in particular. But I quite like him. I think he's a, he's a good ring Wraith to use. And I play against him. He's a bit of a nightmare to play against. He's a bit of a worry. So basically, he's, the combat mimicry means that at the start of a fight phase, he can elect to use the fight, strength, and or attack values of his opponent instead of his own. So the fight, someone he's fighting. He does not need to adopt all the statistics. He could, however, adopt only the fight value. He's also got the armor of the Sundered Land, which means he only loses a point of will for having been in the fight if he loses the fight. So he can fight for a long time, especially with his 14 will, which is a bit of a surprise. His spells are okay to cast. Drain Courage on a 3+, plus, yeah. Transfix on a 4+, plus is fine. And everything else on a 5+, plus probably wouldn't bother with. So he's a Transfixer. Then I've got the Undying. Now, I probably should have put the Undying second, but he's going to be my third, third Wraith on Wings with the Fell Beast. This guy is fantastic in that he gets his will back based on other spellcasters casting spells. And because you've got four ring wraiths, you're going to be casting spells. Usually he casts the first spell of a turn. He might do the big spell. So he might throw a four-die black dart if you want to do a black dart. He might do a big compel or a transfix or something else to, to throw people off. And then the other ring wraiths go near him and cast silly little spells like Drain Courage or Sap Will. While this is happening, if they're successful, the spell gets off. The Undying gets his will back, and he starts with 20, which is just ridiculously good. He's so good, and he can use it as fate as well. So potentially he's got 20 fate. It's just, this guy's insane. He's so good. 
if you take your Ringwraith army, you're always taking the Undying. If you're taking a Ringwraith, he's he's probably your first choice. He's just, just fantastic. He'll probably get a change at some point in the future. So use him while you can. And then my final Wraith is directly to deal with the Ballista problem and actually any shooting problem. It means your Wraiths don't have to worry about shooting as much. The Shadow Lord, the Disco Wraith himself. The Shadow Lord allows enemy models to only hitch on a 6 if they target a model within 6 inches of the Shadow Lord, including himself. So if your Wraiths are staying together, you're only getting hit on a roll of a 6. There you go, Ballista, only hitting on a 6. Don't worry about it too much. If it hits, it hits. What can you do about it? It really does minimize the damage. And he's a good spellcaster. He's got the standard Ringwraith profile for spells. He's only got a Courage of 5 for some reason, so he's a bit low on Courage. But even then, just means you have to keep a, a little bit more will in the bank for him. Four models means your model, your army will break. I'm sure that's why the Nova Compass said four is the minimum. Your army's broken when you take half your models, two, plus one. So three Ringwraiths have to die for all of you to be broken. At that point, you're probably in a bit of trouble. Remember, this is a combat army, but you need to make your combat count. Don't fight stupid little things. Go find a way to do some compels, to move models around, to do occasional hurl, whatever, so you can go pick on the really important characters. Watch out for heroes. They'll they'll be able to take you out if you don't do some magic on them. And there's no excuse for not doing magic. You've got four spells a turn, most likely. You're in a good position. This is a fun army to play. It, it takes some skill. It's no means an easy army to play. But it's definitely not a weak army. It's definitely it's probably the most powerful all hero army, the Ring Wraiths. They're they're really good. And if you play them properly, you can do really well. The other thing about them is you can be really sneaky and end the game when you want to end it. A lot of games have victory conditions where you end the game at twenty five percent. So you could do something sneaky like have the Witch King of Agmar as your leader. You could go do multiple black darts on the enemy leader. Kill, kill, kill. Maybe there's an enemy banner there. Mm, kill the banner compel it away, black dart it, get the banner. And then if you're satisfied, you can just say, well, okay, I'm ahead on points. I don't mind breaking. I'll end the game. I'll win the game. Ooh, the Undying is going to do a 18 die uh, black dart. Good. He disappears. The Knight of Umbar is going to do a 12 die black dart. Yeah, maybe kill something, but he disappears. And the Shadow Lord's going to do the same thing. Oh, no, I've only got one model left. The game ends. Oh, I'm broken. That's okay but you've lost your leader and your banner, I win the game. So be careful about that. If you're playing against Ring Wraiths, watch out for that tactic. You basically don't want to ever put them in a winning position because they'll just end the game. And if you're a Ring Wraith player, sometimes you have to use that. So do it. Do it. Be sneaky about it. It's a tournament. Use use that to your advantage. You can do that. They don't actually die. They just disappear. So yeah, talk about what you want in the game plan, but I think that's a good strategy to use for it. Good luck, Jeremy. That's all the lists. Got through them all. So I'm very happy about that. I think some of these lists are really interesting and I would like to play around with them. I think there's also more that I'd like to do. So I might choose to do this episode at some point again. Please give some feedback. Did you like this format? Was it worth listening to? Was it a waste of time? Let me know either way because we always want to improve what we're putting out and also make it relevant to our listeners. I haven't really done 
myself a real list-heavy episode before I did these two, so it's an interesting experience. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. It was nice to get some challenges from other people. I tend to write lists the way I write lists, so this forces me out of my comfort zone a little bit because people gave me specific requests, and I, I quite enjoyed that. So thank you very much, listeners. Hope you enjoyed this. If you really like the show, don't be afraid to, to tell other people about it or go onto iTunes and make a review. I know that's a pain to do. Or jump on the Facebook page and have a talk to us or send an email. Whatever you like to do, we do like that feedback and it does help keep us going. I know that we've had uh, a very inconsistent schedule lately, but once again, hopefully that changes a little bit. We've got some episodes recorded in the backlog that we're going to start getting out to you. Thank you. Traps win games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon Podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on thegreendragonpodcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.